the happiest place in earth on earth actually mm. you know what's so funny for a country that has been uh, going through a lot for the past 27 years there is a certain joy when you get to the capital you're just like okay it's so messy but it's so nice <laughs> you know yeah. like people are always very very welcoming and i guess maybe it's because our culture um is just all about let's live today tomorrow is another day mm. and you know which yeah. in some ways it kind of uh, it kind of makes up for the for the bad that is happening mm. you know but um, yeah if i can tell him one thing is that that's home you know home is home Salam and hello everyone and welcome to the show. My name is Lily Bakala Piper and tonight for the first time this year we are filming a live episode in my home with some friends and family. So karibuni san everyone. This is here that you're here. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> This is a very special episode as we wrap up season 1 of 2023. We just want to say a huge thank you from the team. You have been rocking with us for 26 episodes this year, half of the year. Every Tuesday you have been here showing up with us and we are so very grateful. So we're going to take a little break for a few weeks. rest our creative minds we have a few plans that were percolating for the last quarter of the year we cannot wait to come back in september with some new content but tonight we are just filming a special episode to celebrate this season and celebrate all the stories of joy of justice of salam and of hello so tonight to help me celebrate to the stories that we've been telling is a new friend that we've just made Jean Tristan Mianze did i say that right so close so close Jean is somebody who is so close to with so many of the stories that we've been telling this year somebody who's a part of the diaspora of the central african republic who has found his story taking him to paris to nairobi back home again in fact he told me that while we may call central african republic car those at home call it centre afrique yeah centre yeah, afrique yeah. which i think my french was très bon just un peu Just un peu. Okay, now, well, I don't think it's going to improve over the duration of this episode, <laughs> but maybe in season two, maybe. I'll come back <laughs> with a bit more French. But Jean's story is one that warms my heart. It's a story of pursuing family, of connection, of love, of hope, of a future. And he's been here in Nairobi for the last 15 years. His professional work is in logistics, but he's also a father of a little boy, which he loves and is deeply dedicated to. And his story has taken him not just here to Nairobi, but also back home. And so I'm so grateful that he's here to tell us a little bit about his journey. We've never had anyone here on the show from Santa Africa. Actually, it's quite uh, quite common for people in Kenya not to have met anyone from the Central African Republic. You so. are the first You are the first my friend. You're one of one. I I'm quite unique though. Quite unique. <laughs> un yeah. Oui. Oui. Le seul unique. Oui. Ah. We might do this whole interview in French. 
We should we? No, no, no. no just kidding. Okay, tricky. just kidding. That would be, be tricky. tricky. Yeah. So I've given a light touch to Jean's story, but I think the best way to start would be to ask him to introduce himself a little bit further and tell us how he got to Nairobi 15 years ago. Oh, my. Interesting story. So um, 2007, actually, uh, finished school and uh, was in the Central African Republic while my mom was working in Afghanistan. And... After finishing school, I didn't want to go to school anymore because uh, I started working. You know, you start making money. So you're like, why do I need to go to university anyway? And then uh, one day my mom calls me and she's like, if you still love me, you have to go to school. Wow. You know, I just have to pause and say, I also have a son who happens to be here today who I've heard these same words from. He doesn't want to go to but school. But I've not <coughs> tried that line, <coughs> if you love me. I mean, if you try it, uh. he's going to go back to school. He's, it's going to work? Yeah. Because that was the thing. Where is he today? Okay, but continue. Yeah. This is not if about you, me. If this you is love about me, you. <laughs> you have to go back to school. So I was like, okay, fine. Uh, coming from um, a French-speaking country, I've always wanted to learn English. You know? So I told my mom, okay, I want to go to an English-speaking country. And then she tells me, you know, you're going to Kenya. 2007. So I go to a cyber cafe. Well, can I ask you when in 2007? This is post pre-election? It was actually pre-election. It was uh, around April 2007. Okay. So I go into a cyber cafe and I'm like, okay, Google, Kenya. Next thing I'm seeing is lions, giraffe, safaris. So I call my mom and I'm like, what's the plan? Are you sending me to the bush? You know, because <laughs> I mean, I didn't know anything about Kenya. I didn't even know there was a country that uh, existed and which was called Kenya. Hmm. So she told me, no, you know, it's, uh, it's an English speaking country. Pack your things. I'm sending the ticket and you go to Kenya. So I'm like, okay, cool. So June 2007, I leave home. Uh, there was no direct flight back then coming to Kenya. So I had to leave home Bongi, which is the capital, go to Cameroon, Douala. Douala, take another flight to Addis, lay over in Addis, and then from Addis to Nairobi. That's a long journey. That's a long journey. And you were maybe 18, 19, uh, post-high school? I was actually 20. You were 20. Yeah, okay. I was 19 young. turning 20 yeah, in, uh, in December. So where the story, even the travel became hectic is because, you know, from Cameroon to Addis, the language changed from French to English. So I get, uh, I get to Addis and um, the lady asked for my passport. But, you know, like the accent was OK, so I could understand passport, you know, just put it together <laughs> and then give the document. Then land to Nair in Nairobi and totally different accent. So the lady is there asking for my passport and I'm just like, oh my, what is she asking for? And then she had to do this passport, passport. The, that was the funniest, um, the funniest thing, but I was so nervous because I already found it to, it was going to be difficult trying mm. to communicate in English and uh, being alone in Kenya and everything. So, but yeah, yeah. ended up coming out of the airport, uh, was picked by the people because I was supposed to do my pre-university course in English. And uh, yeah, that's how it started, June 2007. We, many of us, all of us in this room, I'm sure, know exactly what happened later in 2007. But I want to go, before we go what happened mm. in later in the year, I want to go a little bit further back to your curiosity around English. Did you not see a future for yourself around a French 
or a francophone or even a mother tongue well, opportunity? Um, let's just say I have a, a bit of a hate and love relationship with French. Uh, not um, because it's a bad language, but I guess it's because of my personal experience and uh, having been in France for a couple of years in the past and my experience wasn't the best. Mm. It was actually a rebellious mentality to speak another language. Early 2000s, you know, there was uh, the hip-hop culture, the music and everything, and English was the, the thing, you know. Yeah. So, so, yeah, rebelling against the French and, uh, you know, getting a different language. And, uh, yeah, it was, okay. that was the thing that okay. actually triggered me wanting to speak English back then. And so you find yourself here in 2007. Looking back at that moment, can you take us back to how that felt? Those first few days and, out of and place. weeks in Nairobi, out of place. Yeah. Out of place, um, very foreign. Um, everything was different. The language, the weather, come from uh, a very tropical type of weather. We do not have the June, July winter. Yeah, it's cold, it's cold, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't have it. But, uh, when I came out, uh, I was picked from the airport, uh, taken to the college, and then taken into the hostel. And I couldn't figure out how the instant shower was working. Because back home, we do not have instant shower, we have boilers. Okay, what do you mean instant shower for the, the heat? on, off for the water. Okay, yeah. okay. So, I mean, like, that was something absolutely new. Because I looked at it and I'm like, what is that, you know? So I couldn't figure out how to switch it on. Because the switch, I think, was hidden somewhere. <laughs> so I showered with cold water. And then the following day, I was sick. So I hated it. And I called my mom and I'm like, you know what? If that was your plan to kill me, let me go. Because <laughs> that was... Uh, and what was your mom's response? I'm, I have to know. Because now I'm invested into the mother's side well, of the story. Well, she said, you're not going to die. and we'll, You will stay there. And I was like, okay. Fini fine. Go and finish your, learn yeah. your English. So I was sick for like some few days, like two, three days. But mm. ended up uh, ended up being okay after that. Yeah. Were you here then throughout the rest of the year once the election no. happens? No. No, because actually the reason why I left uh, before the post-election violence was very simple. Because of the experience with the cold water, I told myself I'm not going to stay in Kenya. And my mom happened to have uh, shifted from Afghanistan and she was uh, moved to Khartoum in Sudan. So I was like, you know, I haven't seen you for a year. And I want to come I and see you. I miss you, mom. Yeah, so I played the mommy, boy, you know, mm, type of thing. Mm. So I ended up going to Khartoum in uh, October because I also lied to her and told her, you know, in Kenya, they only study for three months. <laughs> so now we're on holiday till next year. I, I just want to point out to you now that you have a child. Yeah. You know, these things come back to you, by the way. So all these things, just remember them. Huh? Well, I mean, the mom will suffer, not really me, because I will just be like, hmm, I've heard that so much. You know, so. so you went to Khartoum? So I went to Khartoum, uh, stayed in Khartoum uh, all through mid-October to December. Then December, went home with my mom, because it was a Christmas holiday, so we all went back home. When I went home and I was watching the news, that's when I was watching about the post-election violence. And unfortunately for me, it was a good thing because I was like, I'm not going back to Kenya. You know, I'm staying home and yeah, I don't like it. The language is hard, the weather is hard and everything. So let me just stay home. But uh, it didn't go as planned. So, what is, so now you have to tell us how... Because in, Feb, in February, after everything was quiet, 
my mom left and then she called me and she's like you're going back to Kenya and I said hell no I'm not <laughs> going back to Kenya and she pulled the same thing again you know if you don't go back then forget I'm your mother and I'm just like okay all right fine let me go back to Kenya and I came back but this time I came back telling myself okay since you want me to be here I'm actually going to master and enjoy the place So let's talk a little bit about the French and the and the difference in the divides that that, that uh, creates because you know language is so much a part of our identity you know it, it helps us express ourselves and oftentimes for me it's it's quite frustrating when I watch a traditional news media and someone's talking about their experience and if English is not their first language mm. it still is almost always the language that they're being interviewed in and you can tell they're not fully expressing yeah. themselves you know so for you you know at what point did you find that that language barrier had really you'd broken through and, and or have you do you feel even now that you've broken no, you through are, you, and you, can you actually funny enough what is so funny about um, speaking French and English actually you start picking a lot of things that are lacking for from both of the languages mm. 16 years down the line having uh, a wife who is fluent in English um friends who are fluent in English there's still that language barrier and it comes um in a lot of things actually not in the traditional communication the way we think it sure one of the one of the thing that I was talking about with my wife uh, actually two weeks ago no last week was the fact that as a French speaker I will never say things in a direct way for example for example if i'm complaining about something i will not say i hate this color yeah i will always try to be like you know but this color doesn't really match or complement you know it doesn't necessarily suit but english people are like i hate it <laughs> but you know, but for a french person you you don't say i hate it you have mm. to say well it's very pleasing but not too appealing to me interesting. And yeah. so those things still show up. Yeah, do do you feel that. now when you want to express yourself especially with a, a partner who does not speak your same first language? How how do you argue? Well, you have to find the language that works actually. Are you arguing <laughs> in your head and then you're like saying uh, sometimes you have to prepare the argument like you, know, you prepare <laughs> it and then you wake up in the morning and you check your phone and you're like okay, those are the points. <laughs> <laughs> you know so that you don't forget it right. but i don't think genuinely my personal experience i will say you will never mm. get over language barrier mm. Mm. it doesn't matter how many languages you speak because each and every language has a culture behind it and that's, that's the thing we do not talk about you know when we start learning a language we learn the language because we want to communicate but what we forget is that communication is as good as fitting into a culture Absolutely, absolutely so, it's true. And they say that you actually at least with parents that you correct your children in your mother tongue. Yeah. And if you have to be careful though because if you only correct them in your mother tongue then they'll think the mother tongue is only for correction exactly. and not for affection. So you're right there's a culture behind yeah, these are, the these language culture. that becomes um, yeah, tricky. So you know you me- you mentioned your wife earlier yeah. who happens to be a part of our producing team mm-hmm. and she's giving us a little bit of your back story of of your pre Nairobi days. We here and I will say we broadly yeah. we don't know as much as we should about South Africa. It's not something that is a part at least for me. It's not been a part of my thorough understanding of the continent yeah. or the stories that we have here. So tell me what is your South Africa? Tell me what is CAR to you? To me. Mm. It's home. You know, home is um 
is the happiest place to me. It's the place where I have uh, the greatest uh, memory of uh, especially like family life with my parents. But it's also the place where my most painful memories come from, you know, due to due to the political situation, which um, went kind of bad uh, in not kind of which went very very bad in uh, early ninety six nineteen ninety six uh, to date. So yeah, there is there is good, there is bad, there is happiness, there is sadness. When I talk about it, there is a lot of anger. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's home because mm. it's a lot of those everything. But yeah. if you look at those memories, what are the ones that you know kind of rise to the surface for you and 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 still <coughs> sit with you today? When I looked at the the food on the table, one of the things I was thinking about in my head in French, not in English, was I hope there is no rice and no tonight. Beans. Yeah. <laughs> Because you see, <coughs> I have a very bad experience with um, rice and bean. I don't eat rice. I don't eat beans. So usually, when people invite us, my wife usually tell us, "Fine, you know, he doesn't eat rice." But a lot of people do not know why I don't eat rice. So in 1996, actually August 96, when we uh, when the war happened, and uh, we ended up uh, fleeing and finding ourselves in like a refugee camp and everything, for two weeks. They used to give buckets of rice as food. Mm. You know, it's rice and beans. Mm. So the first few days was fine, and then after that, I was just like, "Now it's, you know, it's it's really ridiculous." But when you do that for two weeks, then rice has a very bad connotation. Mm. You know, mm. not not that it's bad food though. I know some people love rice, and it's actually sure. very tasty. But for me, I just have this relationship with it, especially white rice. I'm just like, no. Can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Beans, mm. no. Mm. No. Like the rice, I can manage to do maybe pilaos, maybe different mm. from um, anything which is not white. It's fine. I can <laughs> manage just to be sometimes polite. Mm. But beans, nah, nah mm. it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's just... So, just so, so you mentioned that so, so lightly about when we were in the refugee camp and they gave us this rice... Very lightly. Is that, are you comfortable talking about that a bit more? Well, we in um, yeah, I can. I come from a family where my dad used to work for the government, the government of the time. And um, when we had the entire um, political unrest, the way it was portrayed back in the days was a region against another region, the north against the south. So my family, we come from the north of the Central African Republic, and the former president was from the south. So when there was uh, when we had the election in 1993, the new president was from the north, and a lot of the people from uh, the north actually went out of the country under the former regime to study. They were actually, they represented the elite of the, the learned people. So they mm. occupy a lot of the engineering post and, uh, you sure. know, technical aspect and everything. So um, when this happened in 96, that was because uh, they first had an attempted coup, the second attempted coup, and then the third attempted coup turned into like a tribal thing between the north and the south. And... My dad happened to be in the government and we used to live in an area which was the majority of the people were from the south. Mm. 
Okay. So that day, what happened? I didn't go to school mm. as usual. Mm. So I didn't go to school and I stayed home. So um, the there was a fraction of the army which had the mutiny and they were going like um, from house to house, you know, to to steal, to find like the people who are there and kill and stuff. So um, the entire area was uh, locked down. My dad couldn't access it. My mom couldn't access it. And uh, I mean, my cousin died during that event. Mm, and so ended up um, fleeing the house with uh, our watchman. And didn't know if my parents were still alive. You know, mm. and I think they thought I was dead also. So we ended up fleeing the home. Ended up um, walking, and I used mm. to hate walking because it wasn't mm. something I, yeah, I, I was used to. But uh, yeah, we walked from different places, different uh, areas, and used like public transport. And we found ourselves at the border with Chad, where we ended up being in a refugee camp because. I mean, my watchman became my caretaker. Yeah. And you had not been reunited, reunited with your parents at that no. point? No. I, I didn't know anything because the only thing he used to tell me during that entire journey was just forget about the past. Mm. You know? So it was like build a new identity. Mm. That's who you are. But in my mm. head, I was just like... Did you I, have siblings? Yeah. Did your siblings go with you? No, they actually went with my mom. Okay. But okay. Um, because them, they went to school, so they, they I see. yeah, they get they got to be picked up. But because I didn't go to school, so you know, no one you, could have you, access to yeah. me. And then, uh, I think some few days after that, when they had access to the house, the house was completely looted mm. and demolished. Mm. So you know, now like um, there was my cousin's body, so. It was one of those things, decomposing body, who is he, who is not, you know. So the story was never very clear. So we found ourselves in this refugee camp. And after two weeks, so you know, like, I mean, like, if you've been into a refugee camp, you know, you have to go and sign up every day. Yeah. So one day when I went to sign up, the lady was like, I've seen this name. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, interesting. Then she's like, okay, come after food. And there's a woman and other kids and I will take you to her because she has the same name as you and so I came back in the afternoon and that's how I was taken to my mother's tent yeah. wow. Yeah. wow so um, that's uh, yeah. that's my story with rice and beans well that's your yeah. story of rice and beans and yeah. also why you should go to school uh, yeah, I'm look telling at your you. mom but She's now, now, now <laughs> I, go, I mean I don't go to school anymore but I will yeah. tell my son better go to school <laughs> Yeah, just go, just wow. go to school. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, speaking of your son, you know, and to hear your story, first, thank you for sharing it. You know, I don't take for granted that revisiting painful memories is not easy. Um, but I know also you said it's also home. And yeah. it's, it's some of those happy memories. So when you think about the stories you'll tell your son, what are the stories that you're going to pass on to him about your home and about his home? The happiest place in earth, on earth. Actually, mm. you know what's so funny? For a country that has been uh, going through a lot for the past 27 years, there is a certain joy. When you get to the capital, you're just like, 
okay, it's so messy, but it's so nice. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like people are always very, very welcoming. And I guess maybe it's because our culture um, is just all about let's live today. Tomorrow is another day. Mm. And you know, which yeah. in some ways it kind of... Uh, it's true. It kind of makes up for the for the bad that is happening, mm. you know. But uh, yeah, if I can tell him, one thing is that that's home. It's home. Yeah, you know? home is home. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that the story about being reunited with your mom, your siblings, in that immediate couple of months and years, are you able to stay together? Do you stay in Chad? Do you travel elsewhere? What happens uh, actually, next Actually, we stayed, uh, we stayed in Chad uh, for a period of uh, two months, I think, around that time, uh, two months, two and a half months. And uh, we came back to the Central African Republic because uh, my dad managed to get, uh, to get a rental house and everything. So said the family, we came back. But as soon as we came back home, I did not stay. Okay. I actually left, um, I think, like a month after that. Uh, went to France. Went to France. This is so interesting. The boy who wanted to learn English has now decided to go to France. Yeah, because, you know, like being a um, French former colony, mm. the first place to go back then was go to France. Holidays, go to France. So mm. it was actually the first destination where my parents were like, okay, get out of the country. That's an option. Yeah, go but somewhere Let me else. ask you, though, at that age, did you have feelings about that and what that might represent? Not at all, because I was too angry. You're angry at? At the world. Mm. You know, at the people. At, um, at everything that happened. So for me, getting out of the country was an easy way yeah. of just leaving everything behind. That allowed you to leave the anger behind and move on to... Not really. Not really. You yeah, took it because, with you. Yeah, because went to France and experienced uh, racism. What did that look like for you? Uh, when another human called you a monkey just because you're black is interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's very Is this your first experience in a non-black country? We used to go to France quite often for holidays, but my parents were always there. Mm. So never really being exposed, you know, as a loner, you know. And not that, I mean, they did everything right. Sure. But that experience of racism was just so awful. Of course. So... Of course stayed a bit and then uh, moved back to Africa. I moved to Ivory Coast. So I wish we had time to go through like every step. Uh, we were yeah. chatting offline saying, yeah. you, you need to write this down. You need to write yeah, this book. Actually, actually. So you, you do because there's so many parts of it. But in that decision to come back to the, Af to the continent, was it the racism that, that made you think, okay, this is not my uh, home? Uh, racism triggered something in me where I started asking myself one question at a very early age. Why do Africans go to Europe? Indeed. We go to Europe because we think it's the Eldorado. Instead of putting what we have as capital into our countries and continents, we take it out to Europe. Hmm. But, you know, the funny thing is that once you're not in a position of uh, sustaining whatever you've put there, they take it away from you. Hmm. So you come back to Africa with nothing. 
so for me i was like i can't deal with racism but i didn't know there was xenophobia my heart is just breaking for you because i'm just imagining like, <laughs> the young jean you know dealing with so much i mean yeah. your country and the challenges of, of war and, and separation being reunited and all all of the things you do and on top of that you're being introduced to these incredibly huge forces of yeah. racism and xenophobia it's, it's a lot for anyone to take on I mean, you take it and you process it. And um, once you get over the anger, you start understanding that humans are human. Mm, you mm, know? Mm. One of the, the things I always say is that ignorance mm. is the root of it all. For sure. Because once you come into an African country and you're portrayed as a foreigner or as you come in to take what we have, you know, that already, of course, it will create resistance from anyone, you know. When I went back to the Central African Republic in 2014, when we had the third coup and then the story turned into a religious fight, because we went through, like, the North against the South, we went through against the North against the North, and then we had the Muslims versus the Christians, and now we have, like, a whole mess of everything. Yeah. You know, so when, when I went back in 2014, a lot of people were looking at me and being like, yeah, you guys are the one who run away. Mm. And now you come back. Mm. And I'm just like, well, when I was there in 97, you were not there, so you can't understand. I mean, I think this the constant tension between the, the diaspora and, and those at home. Yeah. And, and even those of us who are kind of in between, mm. not really diaspora, leaving for different reasons and yeah. having to come yeah. back. It's, there's no easy solution. No, there's none. Um, but you have continued to go back. Yeah. And when you went back or your family was there in the early 2000s, your family faced yet another mm. challenge. Like 2003, your... there was another coup, actually, that got the, the president overthrown. So it's funny how it happened because we came out of school around midday, then we came back home, so seated at home. Then by 2 p.m., just gunshots and gunshots and gunshots. So that were the, the, the rebels entering the capital and taking over our power. So my mom happened to travel that time and it was me, my dad, my elder sister, my younger sister, my younger brother. So we were in the house and uh, the following day. So one of the things that we've learned with experience of the war, when the rebels or any group come to your house, they look for your father and they look for the girls. Mm. They look for your father because that's the guy they want money from and they will kill him. They look for the sisters because they will rape them. Mm. You know? So when I saw the guys like jumping over the fence, you know, I panicked because I was just mm. like, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, you know, my dad is in the house, my sisters are here. So as much as I panicked, I had to be very friendly with them, mm. you know? So I told my dad to hide. <laughs> And the guy is so funny. So when you enter the sitting room, there is, a, there is a washroom, which is like on the wing. So I told him, hide, don't come out. Let me deal with those guys. So I came to the guys and I'm like, what do you guys want? There's alcohol, there are cars, so I can bring all the keys. You know, take whatever you want to mm -hmm. take and then just go. So mm -hmm. I told my sister, stay in the room and everything. So two of them came to the sitting room and, you know, they didn't know anything. So they saw the remote... Um, for the AC. Okay. And they thought it was a phone. 
So one of them was like, oh, I'm taking this. And I'm like, hey, just take. There are many of them. So I can no give problem. you like a lot more. And my dad, you know, he opened the door and he was there peeping. And I turned and I saw him. And I'm just like, hide. <laughs> you know, but it was so oh funny. It was so funny. I'm, but I'm not at laughing, that point, but it's also yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I was just like, you know, if they find you, because I told them he's not in the house. And you know, now if they find him, it would have been something. And he was just peeping till they left. And then he came out and he's like, why did you give them the keys? And I'm just like, Dad. No. Yeah. Yeah, you, we are not going to do this. So, and they told you to hide. So I ended up like reprimanding him like a child. And then he kept quiet. And I was like, Wow. Interesting. Have you, does that come back to you now as an adult? I mean, are there times where you, you know, you, we drive through Nairobi, you, you hear a, a a car backfire or you hear a sudden sound where it takes you back to those moments? Hmm. I do have nightmares sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, not as often as some few years ago or hmm. many years ago. Uh, do you think I that's time that has helped with that? I think it's time and also coming to terms with that's just life. Yeah. We don't really choose our path because mm. sometimes we start in different ways but I mean like it's taking control of it and being like I don't want to head into that direction yeah. I would rather go into a better direction so it's all about using what has happened the experience the bad because there, there was good in the bad like funny thing like that my dad peeping you know that wasn't funny then but you know today when I sit down I'm just like yeah man this man has put us through a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I laugh a lot mm. about bad things. I laugh about death. Laugh about experience. Laugh about the war. Mm. But to some people, yeah, I also know who to laugh about sure. with, you know. But um my wife will tell you, my sisters will tell you, um I just laugh about it, you know, because because there's nothing much to do. You can't cry yeah. about it all the time. Yeah. So you laugh about it not because it's funny, but because, well, when you a funny anecdote I will give you. So, 2002, before the 2003 coup, one of the attempted coup that didn't work. So we end up uh, fleeing the house. This time with my mom, my sister. I'm, I'm, my I'm young having brother. trouble keeping track of how many times you flee. Yeah, this is a lot. 96, 97, 98. 2001, 2002, 2003. Wow. I left the country in 2007. Then there was the 2011, 2013, I mean, I think all of us just need to pause and count our blessings because yeah. that's extraordinary. It is. It is. Wow. And but please, you were, you were, yeah, you were so telling a story. As we were fleeing the house, you know, I used to be a chubby kid. Huh? So... <laughs> We needed to cross like kind of like a river and they just put like you know one trunk of tree which is there so sure. everything was catwalking as, as, as a bridge yeah as a bridge so mm. everyone was catwalking on it and here <laughs> i come so i tried to catwalk and it didn't work so oh. what happened is the trunk actually rolled so i ended up finding myself oh in the no. water so i came out of it and you know i was i got even angry because not because of what is happening but just because I was so wet. And you know, <laughs> and I got to my grandparents with my mom and my grandma laughed at me so hard. 
And I looked at her and I'm like, it's not funny. And she's like, yeah, but it's funny. Just look at you. So it became one of those things that uh, my yeah. mom, my sisters, they they laugh at me about it like because of that. And I ended up laughing at myself like mm. when I sit down and I'm like, oh. I used to be such a chubby child. I'm going to so remember they, that story yeah, next so time I have a bad day. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if there were rebels chasing us, I yeah. would have been the first one to be caught. So thank God it wasn't the case. Uh, it's just one of those things. But yeah, look, yeah. once you... I always give a piece of advice to people, mm. which is never wish for things you don't know. Yeah. Like, I hear a lot of people sometimes saying, oh, if this doesn't work, you know, we'll go mm. to war. And I'm like, war is not a joke. Mm. War is not um, a temporary thing. You know how to start it. Mm. But it never, ends it never ends. Because it becomes this cycle of, yeah. I've started, I've started, I've started, yeah. I've started. But, yeah. you know, there is today look at it and I'm like, there is so much to do for the country yeah, you know so is. much i want to do for my people to do for those who are not diaspora those mm. who remain mm. there mm. those those who unfortunately mm. couldn't even afford like going to chad for example what are some of the ways that you're seeing communities helping each other or individuals like yourself well, the, the, a lot of communities now are starting to to revive agriculture you know, but one of the main issues with reviving agriculture, even in the villages, is the the mines that were planted during the war. Mm. So you find a lot of women actually who became uh, who've been amputated mm. because they stepped on a mine. You have a lot of kids, a lot, and I'm talking about three to seven years, who mm. today they're lacking one leg, one arm. You know, for me personally. Uh, looking at the region where I come from, which is the north, and which was heavily, heavily hit with the war and the mines and everything, it's actually coming up with um, a foundation, you know, to help the people, mm. you know, um, a way of educating those who don't have access to education, uh, a way of also putting women together so that uh, agriculture is not just to put food on the table, but rather a mean of, you know, generating revenues, yeah, taking absolutely. care of themselves and giving back to them and showing them that, look, your community, your home is your home. Yeah. You know, so you, people, I, I believe that the more people are busy, the less people will be accepting like one dollar to go and kill mm. their neighbors. Mm. You mm. Know, because, mm. I mean, I have something to lose. Yeah. You know, I have my farm, so mm. my neighbor maybe is the one who's providing water for my farm. So if I kill him, how will my farm survive yeah. so you know create create that belonging Ubuntu. sense yeah and yeah. um yeah that we can sort it out but we can fix some few things absolutely and may god bless the work of your hands yeah. because you're right we, you. we can't fix everything but we can sort out a few yeah. things that's where we can start and if, if we can touch 10 families trust me absolutely that, that's uh that's a big beginning yeah. then maybe one day they will tell the story about this guy who fell inside the river and came and helped <laughs> us. <you laughs> this chubby kid. Yeah, you, this chubby That's kid. Right. Imagine. Right. Not too chubby these days. Not too chubby. Yeah. Looking yeah. good. Looking good. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you, thank you. Know. you. <laughs> well, Matai, what did she say? It'll, I'll be a hummingbird. Yeah. I don't know if you know that saying, but you know, I think it's, it reminds me of what you're saying. I'll be a hummingbird. I'll do, yeah. I'll do my part. Sometimes we like to play little games <laughs> on this show. 
And I played a game recently with my daughters mm. called uh, Your Mother Tried As Hard As She Could. Mm. And I asked them, like, how hard did I try or how well did I succeed about certain areas? Mm. And they told me whether or not I succeeded or failed. Mm. And it was very humbling, very humbling game to play. So I'm going to give you another game to play, similar, mm. but, but not about your mom. But it's going to be called Who Does It Better? Okay. Kenya or Santa Fe? <laughs> Okay. I hope my wife now, is not going to be upset. Your wife is in the audience, so I, that's between you and her. And of course, it's a Nairobian audience, so we'll don't 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 look at their eyes. Just just focus on me. I'm not from <coughs> Kenya, <laughs> so I'm neutral. I'm a neutral party here, even though Nairobi is home. So I'm going to give you a a, a sentence, nice. and you tell me who does it better, okay. Kenya or CAR Santa Africa. Am I saying it correctly, though? Yeah, by the Santa way, Santa Africa. Santa Africa. Yeah. First question, who serves the tastiest nyama choma? Centrafrique. Wow, 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 wow. Oh. Again, don't look at the audience. We just continue with our game. So one point for Centrafrique, yes. zero Thank for you. Kenya. <laughs> who can outdance the other in a traditional dance-off? Centrafrique. Wow, Santa Africa, I'm noticing a pattern here. Okay, two for Santa Africa, zero for <laughs> Kenya. Oh, I don't know if this game was a good idea. <laughs> okay, who rocks the most stylish outfits? Now think carefully. Look around the room, see how people are. Look at these threads. People are looking nice. Look at the fresh. Look at your wife. My, my wife is not considered Kenyan at this point right now. At this point right now, she's not, this is a game. She's migrated. Okay, yeah. she's migrated. Okay, yeah. so who who's the most stylish? Centrafrique, I will say. What? Okay, so we're up. The now the mm. Kenya's losing three zero for the first time ever, possibly against Centrafrique in any kind of game ever. Okay, who has the quirkiest roadside attractions? And. I would like an example, perhaps, of one in Santa Africa. Like one here in Kenya, we might say, uh, if you're going towards CBD, for mm. example, mm. you could buy a Monopoly game, you could buy bananas, you could buy a mosquito zapper, mm. you could buy multiple things, right? Mm. So on the roads in uh, Bongi. On the side of the road, uh -huh. one of the dominant things we have are like actually bars. Bars yeah. on the side of the while you're driving, yeah. A drive through bar, I mean, they're just there on the side of the road, like very interesting uh, structures. Okay, so I have a feeling then who does it better? For actually, this question Kenya. will be is Kenya. Yeah, All right, Kenya. let's give Kenya yeah. finally gets a point. Actually, Kenya. I was sweating about whether or not this, <laughs> this podcast is gonna have me cancelled in Kenya. Okay. Who prepares the spiciest and most fiery dish? Uh, Centrafrique. So it has to be Centrafrique. Kenyans do not believe in spice. I'm sorry <coughs> I said it. It's true. I'm sorry. What yeah. do you have that's spicy in this country? I mean, there's Royko. Uh, there's Royko. Royko does not count. Royko does not count. Is there anything else? I don't know. Anyways, we'll discuss off mic because the, the yeah, crowd yeah. is hostile. Well, yeah, well, okay, okay, okay. Who can come up... <laughs> I did not write this question. <laughs> Who can come up with the most interesting names for local dishes? Ooh, I will say Kenya. Kenya, oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. What's yeah. your favorite name for a local dish? Um, don't have many. I can't think of any, but we don't have interesting names yeah. for them. Yeah, I like the Rolex. Is that is that something that just but my kids is are isn't into? Isn't Rolex, Rolex like Uganda? Rolex, yeah. Yeah, but we also, my kids also, or maybe they've just adopted it. The, the car is saying oh, Uganda. 
But okay, but so but so anyways, Kenya got the point. So now it's getting close. To, is it two to four or two to three? I think it's two to three. Is it two to three? Yeah. Okay, let's see. That might have been the last one. Let's see if we we need one more just to tie it up. Okay, let's let's do this. Given an unlimited budget mm. and unlimited time off from work, mm-hmm. where's the best place to holiday? Where's the best place to holiday? Be honest. Honestly? Yes. I will say home, Centra- Central Africa. But, 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 okay. Given the, the insecurity and the different rebel groups and everything, you can't visit. Like you yeah. can't, it's not like you can take a drive. Like Sorry, that was a bit of a sensitive question. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. insensitive of me. So, 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 so <laughs> I will give it to Kenya because, I mean, everything is, um, is okay for it's you okay. to, to roam around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think we've ended in a tie. Yeah. 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 Okay. I but think we've ended in a tie. No, no. That's why I'm 50-50. That's why you're 50-50. Yeah. yeah. So I'm even home me. there and I'm home and here. Even yeah. me. I'm yeah. home there and I'm home here. So you see. That's how most of these conversations end, to be yeah. honest with you. So it's 50-50. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a biased crowd. I'm telling you, this very biased. biased crowd. V- v- yes, very biased. Yes. Hmm? <laughs> we, we need a tiebreaker. If you have a... T- Okay, okay. Sorry? So here's your tiebreaker question. I, I heard it. Sorry? Okay, your preference. Could, could you say it Kenyan in French, Kenyan women please? or, or Santa Freak? Uh, how do you say female? Femme? Femme. Femme? Femme? Les femmes Kenyan ou les femmes centrafricaines? Oui, oui, oui. oui. That's, uh, that, that, that's, that's not a question. It's <laughs> not a question. I can answer. Oh, you better answer. I think you should answer this no, one, actually. No, I, I, can, I can't answer because okay. my heart is in Kenya. So okay, yeah. You know, I can't go with my eyes. So it sounds like Kenya is the winner of this game. <laughs> don't worry. According to our data, we don't mm. have any listeners yet in uh, Santo <laughs> <laughs> So mostly the listeners Ma- are Maybe here now you will start Maybe now. Maybe yeah. now. I maybe hope now. that would be a joy. Yeah. Before we let you go, I, mm. I have to ask you one question because you know you did end up in Nairobi. It's mm. been home for 15 years. Mm-hmm. You said your heart is here. Uh-huh. Tell us about your who, how you met your heart, your your, your lovely wife and Joki. I think I have to use a very sexy voice. Sonjoki is this uh, Yes, one. yes, let's do it. Uh, because how did how did the Santa Freak become? How, how did they the meet Njoki? East Africa. How do you say Eastern uh, French? L'Afrique de l'Est. Yeah. Est. How, how did the the l'Est how did, and how did the, the Santa come together? Uh, yeah. Hmm, interesting hmm. story. So one of the days that I decided to try the Kenyans. Nyamachoma, right? So Why are you putting Nyamachoma in air quotes for those who are only listening to this? Uh, because because I, we don't call it Nyamachoma. What do you call it? Uh, we <laughs> call it uh, Mishui. And, and oh, and you okay? Fine. Anyways, yeah. carry on. Let me not yeah. so let me not bother you with so your the story. So I decided okay. to try that. I went for actually it was a barbecue event, and then I went for the event, and then I saw this beautiful girl. You know, mm. she was wearing a yellow jumpsuit. Okay. With a big hat, you know. Okay. And I looked at her, but, you know, I didn't know how to go and talk to her because, gosh, she had attitude, you know, like, uh-huh. attitude. She was not giving that welcoming, no, sunshiny, no, yellow vibe. No, not at no, all. No, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very bad attitude. Like, don't I'm talk learning to something me about attitude. my friend and Joki. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I decided to do what I do best. I send one of my friends to go and talk to our friend. And listen, that's the way we still do. And apparently, kids do it online now, but that's still the way. That's called send liaison. Your friend. You yeah. have to liaise people. <laughs> liaison. Yeah. We, we, so we, 
We have to liaise people. <laughs> so my friend talked to our friend and then my friend came back to me and said that okay, it was on a Saturday that apparently on a Tuesday we were going to go for a coffee date oh. with Njoki and our friend. Did it happen? No, it never happened. What happened? She cancelled. I think she didn't. Uh, she didn't buy into going for coffee. So wow. I said, okay, fast forward to 2020 when COVID happened and we were all just sitting idle. Mm. And July, my friend told me, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing much, but we can go for lunch. So I invite my friend, he comes for lunch and he comes with this young lady. And I look at her, I'm like, who is she? And he's like, oh, you don't remember last year. We met them at that event. And then I asked the friend, where's your friend? And she's like, mm. oh, my friend is at home. And I'm like, mm, she has a boyfriend. She's like, no, very single. And I'm like, good, even me, I'm very single. Here we so, are. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to meet, uh, I think, the following week for lunch or something. And Joki came so late. Wow. Yeah. We need to ho do a whole podcast, I think, conversation yeah, yeah. just about this relationship. And I'm, and I'm telling you, uh -huh. it will take you 10 episodes because there's... <laughs> It's quite a lot. <laughs> so maybe you need your own episode. Yeah. It could be something like Centrafrique meets... How did you call it again? East? Uh, Centrafrique... Um, la rencontre entre le centre et l'est. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to yeah. say. That's, That's what you should call it. Yeah. A 10-episode series arc. I, I, I think, I think yes. when we come back in September, we can do like... Let's uh, do it. We can do a special edition. I love it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So last two questions. We, we ask all of our listeners before yeah. we let them go. Nice and easy breezy. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite drink? My favorite drink right now. Right now, anytime. No, you, you know, it keeps on um, evolving. Mm. I think right now uh, I enjoy gin. Okay. For a very simple reason. Straight up. Uh, mixed with something, but the reason why I came about enjoying gin is because of my father in law. Okay, so it became yeah. a bonding thing, actually. Oh, that's kind so of nice. Yeah, so it became my, my drink of choice. Did you try the hibiscus gin cocktail today? No, I decided not to try anything before sitting before on the, the chair. Before the recording, yeah. but now we drink. Yeah, yeah now, now we, we can. drink. Yeah. Okay. Now we can. And the last question, you know, this show is all about joy and justice. Mm. That's what we really focus on in Salam and Hello. So I want to know before we let you go, what is bringing you joy in your life today? There are many components which all link together. You know, uh, one of the biggest things that bring me joy today is my family. Mm. I think um, there's nothing else that can be compared to that. And uh, secondly, the inclusivity I get in the environment where I live. Mm. I get really affected. Being, being someone who's been to many different countries, many continents, if there's one thing that really can make me sad is having the feeling of being rejected or sidelined and which is uh, which is actually um a feeling that hits you hard when you're in africa because you're black you know so you look at africans and when we can't be together yeah. as africans but also when you look at humans in general and be like why can't we just be together it doesn't matter you can be yellow purple pink but as long as you're human why can't we yeah. be together so i think like my joy is a lot in uh, the feeling of being inclusive and genuine, no, not yeah. not just like anything, but like yeah, genuine. Yeah. I think 
I think I find a lot of joy in that and then of course like this is my profession and everything else and meeting new people. So grateful to have you on Salam and hello. It's been a pleasure. Such a joy to have you here. Thank you so now much. Now that we are done we can go and have the Now we can have yeah, our gym. The gym so <laughs> <laughs> but thank you though. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank and you. listeners I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jean. I mean really what a joy to have somebody share their story. Um, so complex back and forth in and out but a story of love and ultimately of being rooted in this mm -hmm. place so we'd love to hear from you you can always reach us on our socials at salam and hello on twitter facebook and instagram i almost forgot the last place instagram and of course we always love to hear from you in a personal message lily at salam and or producer at salam and and thank you to the live audience for all of you being here and your energy and, and thank you all for this beautiful, beautiful season that we've had together. We will miss you, but not too much because we need a break. But we can't wait to see you again in September. So until then, all of our love and we'll see you soon. Yeah.